What's going on? How are you, gentlemen? Nico, Joe, what's up? How's it going, man? Get, glad to be back. It's been a little bit. We missed a couple cycles, I think. Not good. How you doing, Nico? Good. How are you guys? Did you get any uh, crazy emails lately, Tony? <laughs> yeah, I always get crazy emails. You know, it's weird because I have a business website, so I get hit with, like, spam, uh, like crazy spam emails and uh it's it undulates sometimes i'll get like i'll i'll wake up and well when i wake up it's early like three o'clock four o'clock in the morning so i don't know where these spams are coming from but sometimes i'll wake up i'll have 10 or 20 uh maybe not 20 but 10 or 15 emails spams and then other days i'll have like two or three but they're consistent, man. These people don't quit. Joe, so, you moved. So what, what was on the agenda for today? Oh, go ahead. I, I didn't even catch that. You wanted to talk about um, the drummer, teacher, or the uh, that rock and roll guy? Oh, no. Well, what, what, well first of all, Joe... Congratulations on your move. That's been a big thing. That's been kind of hanging you up. And now we, we got that out of the way. Talk about that. Yeah, I was MIA for a while, man. That I really underestimated that. And I, I to anybody who's listening out there, if you're you're planning a move, I just I tell you, don't do it. No matter what, don't do it. It's it's not <laughs> worth it. Oh man. Or if you're gonna do it, just get some good insurance and burn burn your house down. Honestly, it's 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 better. You can let your family know or not. It's up to you. You know when you start the fire, but. Uh, <laughs> you know i don't understand it like we must be hoarders you know like tony you've been to the house i didn't realize i didn't think we had a bunch of stuff packed everywhere but when you start to actually try and organize it especially like you know we got counting the kids it's five people i mean we got stuff dating back to well you know i got stuff from like you know from my youth you know and some stuff from my parents that's small though but like man you know the kids kind of like Casey's he's off in Thailand. So like he was here and then like all his stuff was basically left behind. Oh, you know, like I said, you really, you really learn to like appreciate the bachelor life when you're trying to pack up your whole family shit for a move, man. Oh yeah. Just forget it. Like I said, I, <laughs> I think what happens is, is like you go through that pain. It's kind of like what I've heard women describe childbirth is that like, you kind of forget the pain by the time your next kid comes along. And then you're like, well, what did I get myself? It's the same thing with the move, you know, cause it's probably like four years since we moved again. And I'm like, Oh yeah, well, this is a nicer place. And then once you're in the midst of it and you're like, Oh my God, how am I going to get all this stuff like organized and back to normal? You know, it's weird. So I think, yeah. Uh, my life is still not normal. Like, you know, I haven't really had a, you know, a good workout at home. I used to have the home gym set up, you know, so I could go down there and just, now I'm like, you know, just trying to grab a space of floor somewhere to do some push-ups or ab work. You know? <laughs> it's not the same. So ultimately it'll be worth it, but yeah, it, it definitely uh, takes a toll on you. you. You've been in your place for a while, right? Here? Seven years. Okay. Well, that's not too long. I mean, that's, you know, and that was a long move for you guys because you came from the city way and moved way up. So. Yeah. And I've had people... I mean, at one point there was four people living here. You know, I was married and I had a 
my buddy and you know now it's just my mom and I and it's been a very it's been extraordinarily difficult now she's at the stage where uh you know she really doesn't know who I am anymore you know mm-hmm. that I mean I got a couple of calls yes one yesterday one today um you know from the daycare and uh so we're entering into the the probably second to the final stage uh with her so it's 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 stressful for me but yeah i mean moving and i don't want to when, when i you know when i have to move from here it's going to be man yeah it's going to be chaos man i'll have to recruit you guys to help <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'll maybe we'll see if I I might happen to lose your number at that point if I yeah right um but uh yeah no I uh, yesterday I had to try to fire up the lawnmower for the first time this season and cut the grass and thankfully it it started after the fourth pull on pull number five which was sounds like a very good thing huh? that's that's your lucky number yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it started up. You know, I was lucky. Yeah, I'm glad that happened. So I was able to cut that grass and getting ready for, uh, you know, another month and a half will be uh, summer. So, Joe, do you want to be become a minimalist now after moving? Yeah, you definitely, yeah. I go through a phase where, yeah, I don't want any more junk. Yeah, I'm just going to sit on the middle of the floor with a mat, stare at the wall yeah. for a while. It's the same with me. After moving, I thought the same thing. But then I forget, you know, like within six months, I'm like, oh, that's some cool shit. I'll buy that. And then I just never use it or whatever. And I put it away. Same same thing. It's the pattern of my life. Or the other thing is that like, like usually when we're moving, like it is towards the end, like you got 75%. It's that last 25% where you're like, oh my God. And I just start like excessively getting rid of stuff. Like we either donate it or trash it, you know, throw it out. And then I'll invariably like, eight months from now, I'll be like, where was that thing? That thing I really need. And then it'll dawn on me. Yeah. I think I chucked that. Yeah. Like a dumbass. you know, like I, <laughs> you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't with that kind of stuff, man. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, basically buy a house and just load it with your stuff and never leave and just hope that the neighbors, when you pass away, they just find you in it and then they have to deal with it. You know, like they just have an estate sale or whatever, but yeah, try to, you know, try not to be responsible for your stuff is what I'm advocating for, I guess. Let's see if you can pawn it off on somebody. That'll probably be me. If I, when I move from here, I mean, this is a house. I'll be moving into a, either a, an apartment or renting a room from somebody, right? Because my age, I'm not going to be with anybody. So, yeah, I'll have to try to sell off everything I have, pretty much just sell it, you know except for like a bedroom set and, you know, maybe my living room, that's it. You know, I mean, I'm not going to have use for, for all of this stuff. So it's, it's, yeah, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. And you got like a lot of cool, like old jazz records you probably couldn't get again, you know, like that's, that's going to be a tough call on some of that stuff. Yeah. Know? Well that I'll probably keep that. I mean, but yeah, you're right. It's, I mean, I don't even have a stereo set up anymore. I haven't in years, you know, uh, I sold my stereo system to my buddy Scott, so yeah, we'll see uh, what happens. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I don't even want to. I don't even want to think about that now. But uh, just trying to. I haven't felt well, you know, the last few weeks, and uh, you know, the thing with my mom is just uh, finally 
crashing me, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a stress, man. It's the stress is no good. Yeah, no good. So, uh, the Cleveland Indians as of yesterday were in a three way tie for first place with the Royals and the legendary Chicago White Sox. Uh, you're a Cub fan, aren't you, uh, Joe? Yeah, I, def- I, I definitely would have to be more Cubs than Sox. I, at least when I grew up, when I was a kid, because I grew up on the north side, probably like three miles away from uh, Wrigley. So, yeah, it was all about the Cubs. I mean, although, like I said, I wasn't one of those, like, zealots where I, like, I hated the Sox because we were so starved back in the 70s. You know, people don't remember. People pre-Jordan – or people who are, you know, here, Jordan and Post, don't remember how horrible it was to be a sports fan in Chicago. I mean, it was almost as bad as being a Cleveland fan. There was so little, you know, like I remember as a kid, like I didn't know a damn thing about soccer, but we had a soccer team. They were just starting in the U.S. with soccer. We had the Chicago Sting, and they won. And I was just happy that they won something. It's like, holy shit, I guess I'm a soccer fan because, you know, we have a champion in Chicago finally. So when the Sox got in yeah got into the world series and stuff i was all about it you know i didn't care i just wanted somebody to win from chicago um but yeah so but late like the last couple decades we've been relatively pretty spoiled honestly you know um you know except for football you know i think the last time was was it the 85 bears or whatever um but yeah so um but yeah, I actually honestly never thought I'd see the Cubs win. I just thought it was some psychological curse on them. I was a kind of a, you know, and I didn't believe in a mystical curse, but man, I just felt whatever it was, I, I didn't actually think in my lifetime I would see them win. So it's weird now that they've won. It's kind of like, well, gosh, what's left, you know? Um, man, it's also weird how much that impacted the area. I mean, it might just be me, but it was almost kind of nicer when they were a bunch of losers, you know, in the in the... They you still know, are. Don't worry. They still are. But it's but the thing is, is they have the the stench of victory on them. Like you know, a lot of people are paying more for. Like you should see how built up it is around Wrigley now. Like it's not the same. You know, like. And again, this is the old man and me reminiscing about back in the day. But like you know, like when you're in Wrigley, you used to see like, you know, guys on the rooftops with their Webers, you know, watching the game, you know, in a couple folding chairs. And man, now I mean, they've got these corporate you know, bleachers set up and all these giant hotels. I mean, there used to be this like little dive donut shop right outside of Wrigley. And, uh, you know, now it's all these, just the money that's poured in there is just, it's the whole different Wrigley village just looks totally different to me, at least right around the park. So did you grow up in Wrigleyville? Not Wrigleyville itself. So I was actually kind of over, like I said, I was, about three miles so closer to the river i mean almost exactly west of it so like if you know the high school gordon tech on the north side i was right in that neighborhood growing up as a kid Um, but it was close enough like i said it was you know definitely far north side for most people so but i actually got to go to the old comiskey park too you know before they tore that down uh got to go that because my uh my one of my buddies from grammar school his dad was an avid Sox fan even though we were on the north side you know you just never know like how people grow up they they, they pick a team and stick with it. So I got to go there and watch the old, you know, exploding uh, scoreboard and stuff. It was cool, you know. Frank Gotch and Hack and Schmidt wrestled at Comiskey. Wow. I, oh, yeah, wow. they did. Yeah, and I went to Comiskey as well. I moved to Chicago in 1987, and uh, I was immediately unimpressed with Chicago sports fans. And to this day, I 
kind of hold them in contempt. And the reason being, while most football players realize Walter Payton was by no means the greatest running back, that honor goes to Jim Brown from Cleveland. Um, they forgot about Payton in this town. It was all Michael Jordan. And when, you know, when Jordan hit, it was like Peyton never existed, you know. And I always felt bad in that regard for for Walter Peyton. And I kind of shook my shook my head at the sports fans in this town because they were they're not knowledgeable enough to be they're fickle. Okay. It's like who's the new boy in town, right? Who's the new guy? And I moved here, you know, in the midst of uh, you know, the Bulls and their uh, six seasons of, of winning the NBA title. And I'll, it, that'll, I'll never forget that. I'm like, Jesus, man. Uh, and I can remember going out to Byers when, uh, uh, let's say one of the sports teams in baseball wasn't, wasn't, they were, the postseason was over. These places didn't even put on the baseball games, right? The playoffs, because nobody was in it. I'm like, yeah, this is really not a sports town. It, it, it really isn't. It's, it's a niche. Um, you know, you go on to the South side, you're not going to watch a Cubs game. They're not going to, they're not going to play a Cubs game. You go on to the, the, the North side, they're not going to play a Sox game. It's rare that you'll find that. But I really felt bad for, uh, you know, Walter Payton. He was almost like forgotten, you know, uh, and that, I, I'm like, yeah, this, this is a uh, fair weather town as far as sports goes, you know, here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing. Um, whereas you go to Cleveland, even now, you know, Jim Brown retired in the, in the sixties, you know, and, uh, you know, 50 plus years ago, and he's still, you know, he's revered and uh, in the NFL, he is at the highest level. Um, Walter Payton, I only believe led the league once in rushing just one time he led the NS NFC. Whereas uh, Jim Brown played nine seasons, he led the NFL in rushing eight out of those nine seasons. And, uh, yeah, he was the greatest of, of all time, in my opinion, uh, in the NFL. Uh, I never got to meet the guy or anything, but, um, but it was kind of – it was a shame when, you know, Peyton um, <clears throat> with the liver cancer and uh, – I remember when all that went down. It was, uh, it was, a, it was, it was a. I met him once in his parking lot. He owned a, a place in um, Schaumburg. I said, "Hi, sweetness." It was just him and I. All right. He was coming out. I was going in. He didn't even say hello to be honest with you. You know, but I, I knew a guy. My my friend who passed away about a year or so ago, Doctor Vic. They used to lift weights together because they were all they all lived in Barrington in that area, Lake Barrington and Barrington uh, Shores or whatever. And um, but yeah, I only I only met him once. Remember when Peyton shot somebody? Do you remember that, guys? No, I don't remember. Oh, I never heard about that. Tell us. Yeah, about. yeah, somebody in his nightclub in his uh, office there was a problem, and uh, yeah, Peyton ended up uh, shooting the guy. Believe it or not, but uh, you know, obviously nothing nothing came of that. Um, Although, yeah, I get, he was a great guy. I mean, according to the people that knew him. For sure, for sure. And did a lot of charity work and stuff. And I think people still in Chicago remember him, but probably not as big as, yeah, like Jim Brown would be to Cleveland. Jim Brown's more equivalent, like 
he is the Michael Jordan of football. He's not just, you know, a great, I mean, he is generally considered probably the greatest football player of all time. I mean, there might be right. some quarterbacks or something where they, but I think, yeah, it's kind of like, I don't think anybody here is ever going to forget Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Like he, no. and so not, not diminishing Walter Payton at all. Obviously he's, a you know, world-class and one of the one he might not have been the greatest running back of all time but he surely was you know up in the top 10 always you know and very dominant athlete what's interesting too speaking of like Chicago running backs um is I think was there one season where Jim Brown and Gail Sayers were both active because we had Gail Sayers was another kind of a cool running back we had um I think well I, I met Gail Sayers and uh shook his hand he had a nice firm handshake you know me I'm all about the grip uh, I thought Sayers was was better than Walter Payton. Uh, he had the moves. He had just I, – I just thought Gail Sayers, you know, he was faster. I, I thought he was uh, a hell of a player. But I can tell you this. I spent maybe, I don't know, five minutes. Doesn't sound like much, and it isn't, with Gail Sayers. And just the genuineness of that man – there was literally nothing. He was talking to you like he was in high school, like he was like, you know, what, what, what's going to happen next period, right? He was just so down to earth, just a marvelous, uh, wonderful guy. It was a boxing thing. It was a, uh, not a boxing thing in, in specifically, but it was a, uh, an induction, a Hall of Fame induction thing here. Uh, my friend Vince and Johnny Lear, the fighter, the three of us went. And I tell you, I can say I, you know, and pay, uh, Gail Sayers ended up having Alzheimer's as well. Uh, and it's, uh, I, I just cannot tell you how nice, genuinely nice that guy was. And and I got to meet another Chicago bear, many, many, you know, like, uh, this was probably like in 1998-ish. I met Ronnie Bull, um, who played back then with, uh, Sayers and Brian Piccolo and all that. And uh, I, I had a friend who was uh, an NFL player and he was the head of the uh, retired NFL players, retired uh, players uh, union or whatever. And he played for the LA Rams back in the sixties, Roman Gabriel. He was a punter and a backup quarterback. Anyhow, Shame on me. I did not know who Ronnie Bull was. I never heard of him. And I told him, I told him that. I said, Mr. Bull, I'm sorry. I, I'm a Cleveland guy. I, you know, I don't, I honestly don't know you. Right. But boy, what a nice man that guy was. Unbelievable. And I asked him a few questions about, about Brian Piccolo. Uh, and uh, he was very forthright. And again, just, I cannot tell you how nice of a man Ronnie Bull was. So there, you know, there's, there's, there's outstanding people out there, believe me, in, in, in the, uh, in the world of athletics. That's encouraging to hear, you know, especially about those. Well, I mean, the old timers probably were more so nice, but you always hear about, you know, when you run into these celebrities or superstars that they just, it changes them, you know, it changes so many people when you have that kind of money and people, that they just, they don't want to, like you said, be genuine with like, you know, normal people like ourselves. It's cool when they, when they, they don't, they're not affected by that. That's cool to hear. 
Um, the one thing with Gail Sayers, we're talking uh, clearly his, his athleticism was off the charts, speed and agility. But the one thing maybe because he was injured pretty regularly and early, like his career was pretty short, I think. So like the durability might have been a thing or maybe it was a freak accident. I don't know specifics around why he had to get out, but I know his career was cut short, I think, because of some leg injuries. And back then, you know, I don't think they had the kind of surgeries to repair stuff. If you, you know, tore some ligaments or something, that was pretty much it. You know, yeah, and and that's the remarkable thing of Jim Brown, uh, who played in an era and basically overlap with with Gale. I mean, Brown was older. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, Jim Brown never missed a game in his nine year career. He walked away from football. And again, now let's make this perfectly clear. I don't know Jim Brown. I never met Jim Brown. I don't know anybody who knows Jim Brown, but from what I know of, from what I heard through the grapevine, he, it was all over a problem with acting, you know, cause he wanted to act. And I, I guess the catalyst was the, uh, the dirty dozen movie. Um, Jim Brown had a problem with Paul Brown, who was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Browns are named after Paul Brown. Okay. That's where the Browns got their name. So, uh, they, and so they got rid of Paul Brown, the head coach, and uh, be and you know, and Jim Brown was a, was an activist. You know, they they talk about players now. Jim Brown was a major league activist uh, in the '60s. Again, I was just a child. Um, I don't remember any of this. You know, I was born in '64. That's the last year the Browns won anything. But it's I, I do recall that when I was old enough to understand things, Franco Harris from the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm going to throw up saying the Steelers name in public, but <laughs> they were uh, he was the guy that was approaching Jim Brown's rushing record. And, you know, th that again, I say that because it shows you that Walter Payton really wasn't even on the radar and Payton ended up being the one who broke the record. But. Jim Brown, or, uh, Franco was close. So they did some television competition between Franco Harris and Jim Brown, like a superstars kind of thing, running the 40 and things like that. And um, it didn't it didn't work out too well for Jim Brown there. But what a lot of folks may not know is Jim Brown was considered one of the world's greatest lacrosse players. And he is in the lacrosse hall of fame. And he was a, um, a star lacrosse player, uh, I believe he went to Syracuse. Uh, Gail Sayers went to Kansas, I believe. Yeah, and, it's common. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Peyton, so not Peyton, um, Jim Brown was, so he was a two-star world-class athlete, just, so, you know, it, it, it yeah. And Kansas, uh, you know, uh, for for uh, Gail Sayers, when you think about it, yeah, I don't I don't know where Gail Sayers Gail Sayers was born. I don't know, uh, but you know, you you don't think of superstars coming out of Kansas, but Gail Sayers, in my opinion, was not just a superstar football player; he was a superstar human being. 
and he he did a lot of behind the scenes charitable works and so on, and the world's a uh, a lot worse with without him in it. I mean, I I, I just admired the man uh, incredibly, and I'm I'm it's it was my honor to meet him and shake and shake his hand. Yeah, that's very cool that you got to meet him, and that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's the and and that, that they turned out to be like that way in person because so often when you meet people, sometimes it just doesn't work out well, or they just you know they're not able to pay attention. So, you know, like when I come over and visit you. Yeah, and that's another thing. The next, because you know, um, I would think if you could start like giving me like maybe a lock of your hair every you know once in a blue moon, not always, you know, but now and then. And, you know, that could help me out because that could be my ticket to, like, a lifetime of financial security. To own a lock of your hair, can you imagine what that's worth? Think about that. Well, uh, hold on to your hats because I may, this may be the end of the the length run. I may be able to give you a lot more than just a lock of my hair. I might be, uh, there's some pressure to to, uh, conform and cut back, to go back to corporate standards from here at the household. Um, Oh, there's a guy at work who's grown his hair out and none of us, he's one of those guys, just eh, nobody really likes him at the office. And so every so time I like you, yeah, maybe I'm thinking of myself, but um, if you can imagine it even worse. So like I see this guy and I look at him and I'm like, Oh my God, that's where I'm headed. You know, like I can see the future. <laughs> and I, I pointed that out to my wife and she's like, Oh my God you're right. That's what you're going to look. Cause he, you know, he looks the similar looks and she's like, man, you got to, cause now I put it in her head. She's like, Oh my God, you look like, the, and she's like, you got to cut that hair. So yeah. So we might have a, a, a very long supply. Maybe we can kind of braid it into like a rope for you or something you can wear. Or we'll figure yeah. out something. It's yeah, not hang com- myself with it. Yeah. A wig. Maybe. How about a wig? Well, that's for you, Nico. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Right. We should, no, do I, uh, we should do an episode, Joe, where uh, I give you a fade, right? And then the next episode, you go on with a short fade, and I'll wear your wig. So we'll, <laughs> we'll trade places. That would be cool. Actually, when um, Ben first came to the Tool and Die, I brought my son Ben to come work out uh, at the second Tool and Die, the one in Bensonville. We came up the, the stairs, you know, because he was like, I kept trying to encourage him. Hey, you're going to want to come work out. You're going to love this. Right. And he was one of those kids who's like, ah, you know, like, I don't I don't want to go to any kind of dojo or anything. He just, you know, it was like he was too cool for school. Right. He didn't want to do any of that stuff. But I'm like, no, no, you got to trust me. This is not a dojo you're going to. All right. <laughs> this is and we go up the stairs. And the first thing we get to the top of the stairs and there's a uh, uh, gosh, I can't remember who was cutting whose hair. I want to say you were sitting in the chair, one of the big pool chairs with a cigar in your mouth and Kevin's <laughs> behind you with clippers. He's got a cigar too. And he's like clipping your hair. Like, yeah, put it there. And then, and then it was just, just like, oh. oh, cool. And so like afterwards, yeah, we did our workout or whatever, you know, and he, he's sucking in all the atmosphere of like, you know, the, the mounted heads of the, the, the deer and the cigarette butts on the tray and, you know, and the, everything's kind of grimy and tough and, Afterwards, we left the workout, and he just turned to me, and he looked at me, and he's like, that was awesome. Like, and he kept me with the story of, like, the first thing he sees is, like, you know, Kevin with a cigar in his mouth, <laughs> a clipper on Tony, trimming you up. It's like, oh. There'll never be another place like that. And that, that was, that was like the, 
coolest joint, you know. Uh, I It's going to be four years that Kevin got killed, you know, coming up July 1st, you know, the weekend of the uh, 4th of July thing. And, uh, man, I can't believe it. Time just launching by, you know, it's just flying by. Man, with, with all the talents you told me about Kevin, I never heard the story about that he was good at cutting hair, too. Oh, look, it's like the guy's good at everything, good. it sounds like. No, yeah, nobody said he was good. <laughs> <laughs> look at the result. I, you know, four years later or whatever, uh, ten years later. <laughs> no, Kevin was uh state uh, uh, go-kart champ. And for those people out there that think go-karts are like kids stuff, no. Adults, these are 120-mile-an-hour uh, well, go-kart champs, state Formula One come from, right? Like yeah. Formula One, you start out as a kid doing go-karts. So it's like, a, it's not even just a kid. I mean, you, you, even yeah. adults still race it. You go from go-karts to midgets. He went and he, and he, became, he was a midget uh, racer, uh, I can you know, a trap shooting champion. He, he won, uh, and then, you know, Missouri and Illinois state bench press champ and you know, all that shit. The guy, you know, and, and he was a, in his tool and die back in 70 or 71, whenever he graduated, he was the apprentice of the year. Um, so, you know, around that, that's for the whole United States. So, uh, yeah, the guy was um, one of a kind, man. He was, well, he was pretty, uh, he, pretty awesome. Yeah, whatever passions he had or interest, he pursued them. I mean, the guy could fly planes. He could do, you know, hunting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing he told me. Yeah, he flies planes. I mean, well, that's how he got killed. He got killed in the plane crash. But, uh, yeah, he uh, he did so much. Uh, and, you know, he could design. You know, we made – he made pieces of equipment, you know, workout equipment. Um, sometimes I'd have an idea. It's just a very rough idea. Not like I drew anything up. And he would go from there. You know, it's like, I got it. I'll figure this out, you know. Uh, anything you know the guy was uh like an engineer you know he was just really uh but he was better than an engineer a lot some engineers don't have the real world experience or all theoretical kevin had that real world experience you know uh, he knew what would work what wouldn't work uh the best the guy was well you know brian denis talks about him yeah still in awe you know I still remember too, like at the original Tool and Die, or at least I don't know if it's the original, but the one on Mannheim. Occasionally we'd, we'd be working out there, and he'd take off. His bike would be parked right there, you know. So he's like, like I forget what he'd say. It's like, see you later, gladiators. Gladiators, and yes, gladiators. And he'd start up, the, he'd start up his Harley or whatever, right there, and he'd just like leave out the back, you know. At the, <laughs> he would always say, "See you, gladiators, later." That's that's what he would always say, just like that, man. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Yeah, him and I had a lot of plans for the future. Unfortunately, you know what happens, but uh, but yeah, it was, but it was, yeah, he and he was strong. You know, he just was strong. Not Rodvon strong, by the way. We're going to have a Rodvon episode next week, and we're going to discuss next week. We're going to launch finally. The uh, membership program next week, <clears throat> and we're and we'll discuss that all next week. So we're going to launch it next week, and we're going to dedicate a little episode <clears throat> to Stanley J. Rodvon, world's strongest man and greatest catch wrestler of them all. That'll be awesome. I, I'm very much looking forward to having that. There's so many great stories. 
Yeah, don't get me started because I'll I'll start talking now. So nope, nope, we're gonna we're gonna veer off of that. So uh, yeah, it's uh, well, yeah, we're in the you know we're in the beginning of May, and I'm looking out the window. We had storm, not storm stay. We were supposed to. We had a little bit of rain, not much. Uh, and really, to be honest with you, April we didn't have a lot of rain here in April. They're saying you know, it might be drought conditions, uh, or not like like oppressive but there's some there you know even though we had all that snow in february that we didn't you know we had enough of a deficit after that that you know there might be some drought conditions around here um yeah so nico i'm catching you in the middle of a drink um berwin how's things going out there oh it's going fine man there's uh been a couple incidences of violence the past couple weeks. Somebody <laughs> Sunday night, somebody got shot and killed on uh, Winona and Thirteenth Street. And then the week before that, um, right here at the the corner store, it's called Valley's Produce. Somebody was shopping in there, and apparently, this guy was. This woman worked the cashier. Her daughter was in there, and she went to go um, tell her mom she was taking a water or something. And the guy just went nuts, started punching her, a little 14-year-old girl. And then uh, the mom tried to stop him, and he started punching her. And then there was a guy that was delivering. I think he was delivering uh, from Vintners. So he was making a delivery. He sees all this commotion. And he goes to break it up. And then apparently from what they said that the guy was looked like he was leaving. And then he just walked right back in the store and stabbed the guy to death. And then when he was walking out, I guess somebody else tried to stop him and he got stabbed. And then apparently they found him like a couple blocks away later on and covered with blood. So they caught the guy. But yeah, there's been a lot of uh, violence this past couple weeks. It's, you know, there's a hero there, you know, the Vintner guy, you know, just doing the right thing. And look what happens. But you know what? That's just, that's, 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 that's always been the case, you know. I'm sure, I mean, I remember that shit happening as a kid. I'm sure long before I was ever even born, you, you have stories of that, you know, heroes, people, uh, there was a boxer, um, boy, oh boy, I, goodness gracious, I can't think of his name right now because you know how my memory is poor, uh, and I believe Grantland Rice maybe wrote a little essay on him. Was it the Brownsville bum? Don't know. Anyhow, he was from New York. And he was a fighter, boxer, and he was in a bar, and it, there was it was a hold up, a stick up, and he intervened, and he ended up getting shot, ended up dying, protecting the people of the bar, and uh, I'm not sure it was if it was Grantland Rice, it may have been another uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author. As a matter of fact, he may have won the Pulitzer over the little 
essay uh, that he wrote. And I know I know this boxer. Right now, my, my brain is drawing a blank. But this was back in the 40s, I believe. Uh, so, yeah, you, you do have people like the Vintner guy that you're mentioning that uh, will be forgotten. No one will think about a guy like that, but that's – that's a hero. That's that's a hero. Apparently, uh, he went to the same high school as me. He wasn't, you know, I think a few years younger than me, I think. So I don't remember him. I, I didn't see the picture of him, but a friend of mine said that, yeah, he's he's from our high school. Yeah, the – don't even get me started on that word hero because that that's that's a word that's – so, oh, excuse me. So, oh, Jesus, I'm going to knock my laptop over. Uh, that's so overused. And, uh, but you do have genuine heroes, always have and always will, I hope, in this world. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a tragedy, uh, but it can happen anywhere and it does happen anywhere. But people tend to cue in on like a city like Chicago. Well, Chicago's a third largest city in the United States of America. And it's probably in the top 20 or 30 in the world, probably, right? Population-wise. So you're going to have those things happen when you have millions of people. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a matter of uh, statistics. But I can tell you what. There's roughly 7 billion people in the world. You tell me who has better hair than Joe. You can't name one. Not one person has better hair than Joe. Think about that mathematically. Right, Joe? Can't argue with it. Can't argue with science or math. Oh, my goodness. Look at you. I know Everything, you're like in the darkness now. <laughs> this is like, oh, my goodness. It's like watching The Omen or something or The Exorcist with you. Hey, <laughs> can you spin your head around, Joe? Can you do that? Can you do that? The power of Christ compels you. Don't get Catholic on me now. It was an altar boy, man. What do you want from me? Hey, you got to be careful with those altar boys. Don't be picking on us. You know we're gonna we're gonna form a union one of these days, and we're gonna come and get people like you. Think about it. Um, yeah. What the hell are we talking about now? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, nothing, uh, right? <laughs> no, we were talking. Actually, it was very serious because we're uh, the one thing about as far as that the Vintner guy's situation is it's it's kind of a like a, a sober reminder is like, you know, after an initial altercation, don't forget the guys can come back, you know, it's the get backs. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know if the guy was ambushed or how, how it all went down, but it's a, it's a reminder, you know, like you can break something up, but it, you better like until you're safely out of there, you had to better, you know, keep your awareness alert because yeah, it's very likely that, you know, if someone, gets interrupted they may come back and they make like in this case the guy got went and got a knife and came back you know amped up so that's uh, it's tragic but it's it's a it's a you know reminder to everybody we're very obviously self-defense focused here so that's definitely something to keep in mind whenever there's an altercation like you know if you get into it with someone at a bar or something maybe it's time to get out of there because you know the, the second time they come around it's not gonna it's gonna be a lot worse well, I, yeah. I knew a couple. I knew a, a husband and wife. I don't think I should mention their names. Well, it, it, you know, Kathy and Mark. Okay, that's as far as I'll go. They owned a bar on uh, 
Irving Park in technically Norwich, across the street is Chicago. And uh, yeah, there was a killing in the bar. Started in the bar, left, you know, ended. Guy left, came back, and killed the guy outside. You know, right, you know, in you know, in the bar, Ralph, in the front door. They ended up, you know, losing the bar. Uh, uh, I'm not certain it was because of that. I ran into Kathy at the Walgreens. Not long after that, uh, you know, maybe three weeks, and she was in hysterics. Uh, yeah, you have to worry about that. You always do. You have, you always have to worry about getbacks um, with, with with situations like that. Uh, and you read about it, and it happens everywhere. Little hick towns, big metropolises like Chicago. Uh, so nobody can say, oh, look, the you know problems of the big city. No. It happens a lot, especially in in little in little hole in the wall places too. You know, little neighborhood, you know, uh, country type of joints because everybody knows everybody, and you don't want to lose face. You know, so it's tragic. But yeah, you're right. You got to always you always have to worry about that. That's why I've always preached that anytime you get into a street encounter, you have to expect to lose your life. You have to go in there knowing today I'm going to die. Okay. You have to be prepared for that. I'm going to die over this. And then if you don't die, that's great. It's it's awesome. But you you have to know what you're getting yourself into, man. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <clears throat> it's unfortunate well, for the businesses too. I mean, because uh, I think uh, you would think after an incident like that has been on all over the news, people stop shopping there for a while. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and really, it's not the owners in this instance. Yeah, it had nothing to do with them. Yeah, it did had nothing to, you know, sometimes in bars they get overserved or something happens, you know, you can, you still shouldn't point the finger, but, you know, bars get, get a bad rap. Uh, and I would, and I'm not ready to venture into this uh, topic because I've done no research on statistics, but I tend to not, I don't know if bars have a disproportionate amount of murderous violence compared to other places. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, it does happen, you know, but I, I don't know if it's disproportionate. I would tend to think not. Cause I can remember many times Nico. Well, Joe, you should know this too. There was a business on North Avenue or on uh, North, North Avenue I don't know if it would be North Lake. Going about back about 20 years ago, somewhere near, I don't know if it was the Zenith plant. It was somewhere near the Zenith plant. It was before you got to Mannheim. And a worker shot everybody up in that place. And I, I didn't live that far from there at that time. And I can remember driving by the very next day, you know, and they had security in the parking lot and stuff. It was an employee, you know, so you, and look at the postal service. Years ago, that that they used to say, "Oh, this guy's going postal on me!" Right? The post postal workers would go nuts and start killing people in the postal, you know, uh, post offices and what have you. So violence can happen everywhere, man. Everywhere, churches, everywhere. It doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, that's that's the unfortunate thing. I mean, well, at least 
I mean, say what you will about the way media hypes some of that stuff sometimes, but at least our people are very aware now that there is no safe place. I was just thinking about that. I mean, in the way, and, and I don't mean to get political or whatever, but really, like you said, you mentioned churches. I remember for a long time, certain certain religious people I was talking about, well, you know, it, it's not going to happen there. And it, sure enough, it happened there and it's happened in movie theaters. And I mean, there's not a, a public gathering where it hasn't happened or couldn't be targeted. And you that's the thing is like, you know wherever they the security is light you know that's what's going to attract people and it's unfortunate um you know and there's in some ways there's no escaping it um so yeah i don't know yeah the, the interesting, interesting question about the bars i mean because you'd kind of assume because people are having alcohol some certain people just tend to get more violent that way and that's i mean they've had bouncers since way back you know for a reason you know um but maybe that bouncer actually diffuses enough stuff that it doesn't you know uh, I don't know. It's an interesting question. Well, I've bounced through the years and, you know, yeah, I've, I've gotten into, I've never, uh, as a bouncer, never witnessed a, a murder, right? So there was never, but uh, yeah, no, the, I, I, I just, I think that people want to make that, that rush to judgment about bars. And I don't know, I don't, my instinct is, that the numbers will not hold up that, you know, it, it, it just, you hear to me in my little, and I try to narrow what I hear because, you know, I try to tune things out, um, you know, road rage and parking lot incidences, you know, like at Walmarts or wherever, you know, the, you know, those, those you hear a lot about, I, I hear more of that kind of stuff than I do a shooting at a nightclub or a shooting at a bar. Not diminishing it when it happens. I'm just saying, uh, I hear more of non-bars, you know. Well, a lot of us, I mean, numerically, a lot of it's going to be gang and drug related, too. I mean, that's where a lot of the killing in the U.S. is happening. It's, you know, impoverished neighborhoods where people are pretty desperate. And that's where, you know, and there's territory. And, and that's where, I mean, I think that's where the numbers are going to be. But, I mean, yeah, violence is random. And like you said, road rage. I mean... Even, you know, out in the burbs, I've seen it, you know, people just, you know, maybe not necessarily murders, but violence, you know, and uh, the threat of violence. So, I mean, I think we've talked about that a lot on this podcast that and it's something to keep in mind. I mean, it's why we train. I think people lose sight of that. Sometimes they get into the sportive aspect or whatever. But the bottom line is, you know, this is why we're doing it because, you, you know, it is a, a very valid, uh, you know, it's probably the prime safety is the prime need in life. You know, you need to be safe. And you should never take that for granted. Yeah, there was some MMA guy that got killed uh, a couple months ago, maybe. Um, in a domestic situation. So yeah, it, it, yeah, there's a there's a difference between, um, you know, there 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 just is. Real world is a whole different element. So yeah, anyhow, uh, you you were talking about your uh, your Cubs. You're 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 on the dark side there, man. You're a Cub fan, and I'll you know I'll I'll use my Alta Boy skills to you know pray for your salvation, I guess, or something. I don't know. I got to get you out of that. But uh, how they doing? I don't follow the Cubs. I don't. I'm not a Cub fan at all. But uh, I don't know the White Sox, the Indians, and the Royals are tied for first. 
Oh, and I haven't been following it either. I mean, I'm definitely kind of the sports fan you refer to. It's like, I, I've definitely gravitated. I don't, well, like we've talked about here, it's like, I need to get back into watching MMA again and kind of knowing who's in the fight scene. I've kind of drifted away from just watching sports in general um, and not knowing what's going on. Uh, yeah, so I couldn't even tell you that. But uh, speaking of MMA news or whatever, uh, did you see that the leg break that happened? That was all over the internet. Um, did you see that, Nico? I did not. So, do you remember when Anderson Silva broke his leg? Hold on, I gotta. I'm gonna mute. Hold on. Yeah, I. I, I, do I remember, remember when Anderson Silva broke his leg. Yeah, yeah. I, I did see a, like a highlight clip of that one. Yeah, that was pretty nasty. Well, the guy who broke his leg, Chris Weedman, broke his leg in the exact same fashion unbelievable like this talk about karma so like you know however many years later this is he's now in an mma throws a leg kick uh against he's fighting uriah hall same exact thing well not exactly the same uriah's foot is planted and he just turns and he and the guy hits real high on uriah's shin and shatters his his uh, shin bone uh it's just one of the most hideous looking injuries i've ever seen you know you know and who he broke his leg now which who who, who got their leg broken so, well, okay, I may have, like, jumbled that up a little bit. So, originally, Anderson Silva broke – Chris Weedman broke Anderson Silva's leg with a block. Five – however many years later, that same guy, Chris Weedman, broke his own leg with a kick the you. exact same way. Wow, so that's karma. Weird, yeah, talk about it, right? Um, but, yeah, definitely, as far as martial tactics, it was a lot of discussions have been going online as to, like, well, like, what the hell, you know? Like, how can you avoid that? What's the issue? You know, was he throwing the kick wrong? Was it just, like, a fluke thing? You know, but it's, it's happened a few times. Drugs, steroids. Maybe, you know. Um, an interesting, you know, like I said, I've heard a lot of different things. Like, if his technique was a little bit off, if he's hitting with the flat of his shin, the side of it, as opposed to the edge, you know? It's just like hitting with a ruler, you know, it's, it's easier to snap that way. Um, but yeah, maybe his leg wasn't conditioned enough. I, you know, one of our guests that we had here a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rick Solo, obviously super into, you know, he's spent his life, you know, in, in Thai sports. And I said, does this happen in Thailand? Have you seen any of them break their legs like that? Cause they're constantly throwing shin leg kicks. And he says, no, you know, they, they don't happen there. And, um, you know how's he doing by the way have you talked to him since yeah on and off he's judging fights um he's you know so we had to squeeze him in on a weekend where he wasn't he's gallivanting around the country i guess he spends when he's not coaching at his gym he um referees and and judges fights i don't know if he referees but he definitely judges so he's he sent me occasionally he'll send me a some ringside video of some knockout that just happened or whatever what he was there but you know it's very interesting i guess there's a, a very thriving uh Muay Thai, uh, you know, culture going on in the U.S. and fights across the U.S. So um, he's clearly very active. So, yeah, we'll have to have him back and talk about it. One thing he did bring up, though, that I thought was interesting is um, he said, you know, the emphasis in Thailand, they still do a lot of road work and that he believes that road builds density, you know, bone density in those legs that, you know, if you're putting on a lot of miles, you will get, you know, a lot of... uh, yeah, basically just strengthen those bones, which is something to consider too, you know, besides, you know, obviously we talk a lot about aerobics and bursts and things like that, but there is probably some value to the long, you know, or at least middle distance running to build that up. 
Yeah, I just think one of the issues with MMA is many, not all of these guys, you know, but I would say the majority of them don't participate in the sports that they're training in, okay? They'll practice wrestling. They'll practice Thai boxing. They'll practice, Amer- you know, Western boxing, right? But they're not boxers. They're not wrestlers. They're not Thai boxers. I'm not, again, I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying, you know, you know, just – Many of them just, you know, they dabble, they, 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 they do all this. So it, it could be, and I'm not speaking on Chris Weedman or whatever his name is. You know, I don't, again, I'm not saying him, but uh, yeah, when you just dabble in this stuff, you know, you, you don't really immerse yourself in it. Like Rick Solo would, would immerse you in a Thai boxing culture, right? You come train with us, you're going to be immersed and catch wrestling or combatives. Uh, you go to some other gym, they're, you know, uh, you know uh, Luduva, you're going to be immersed in boxing. And you're going to be with a coach that knows everything about that, right? And you can be protected. So I think that has a lot to, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, but it's interesting what, what Rick Solo says about road work and density, you know, I don't know. Uh, I can tell you on the flip side of that, because I was a sprinter in high school, I overran and I and I had terrible shin splints that to this day bother me. Forty years later, I have problems with my shins um, from running hard, improper, because I didn't have proper coaching. Uh, so it's a double-edged sword. And I'll tell you, man, shin splints are something you don't want to deal with, man. Talk about painful. Ooh. But yeah, well, I'm sure on the flip side, yeah, you can overtrain and then cause, you know, stress fractures that way too. So, I mean, there's a bell. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't know what to do with me. I mean, you got to understand it. My junior year, that was our first year at that school. It was all an all-girls school until <clears throat> our crew came in. So the coaches didn't know what to do with, with me. You know, I was fast and oh man. So they over my junior, senior year, they just over, I quit, you know, um, they ran me into the ground and, uh, that's, that's a shame. And years later, I went back to the school. My coach was still there. He didn't, he acted like he didn't remember me. Yeah. My actually didn't remember me, you know, uh, it was just pathetic. They didn't know what they were doing. So you, my, my, I always tell everybody, you got to get a coach, no matter what it is you're doing, music, tennis, I don't care, anything. You, you, your coach has to be knowledgeable. And that's why I worry about people who train with these fly-by-night guys, you know, or girls even, you know. Um, they could do a lot of damage, man, to you. You don't, you need somebody who knows everything, the ins and outs. For sure. Yeah. A lot of trainers just think more is always better. You know, they don't know when to back off, you know, and obviously recovery time and you got to consider everything when you're dealing with, you know, your athletes, like, like in our case, you know, a lot of us are older now, you know, we're not going to be able to put the same wear and tear on, you know, um, it, yeah, it takes someone who's very knowledgeable, you know, it's not just simply just push harder all the time. Less is more sometimes, you know, your body needs to recuperate. You have to push your body hard. You have to push your mind hard. Then you have to shut it off. You know, um, 
you have to step away, you know, and and regroup. It's just so much of this is common sense, and yet common sense isn't so common, is it? Right? Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But again, too, fluke accidents can happen. Look at me. You were there when I blew my arm, my right arm out. That was a total fluke. You know, shit just happens, right? Um, but you don't go, you don't need to go looking for trouble, right? You don't need to go push it. Especially like you said, we're getting older. But Joe, <laughs> the older you get, the better you look. I mean, it's unbelievable. I get literally tens of thousands of emails uh, from people all over. Some of the emails I, I don't even understand. I can't even read it because it's, it's in a foreign language. But there's always that thing with the Google Translate will say, we want his hair, something. It's always that. Um, so even though you're getting older, man, you got fans, not just worldwide. You know, the, uh, the Pentagon has released information about uh, unidentified flying objects and this and that. And I'm certain that I've gotten emails from other galaxies about you. I mean, that's your 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 universal, okay? Mr. Universe. Yeah, he is. No, he's well known. He's intergalactic. <laughs> Honestly, Joe, you have no idea how much this podcast and you in general have reached. Well, that's good to know. I mean, I definitely I, I definitely deal with a lot of groupies, and that's why I have to stay moving. That's part of why the yeah. move. You know, I have to. You can't stay still for too long because then. Then it just it impacts your life, your day-to-day life. You can't have like a normal life where you just go out, you know, and you're not mobbed, you know, uh, you know, just like the Beatles were. It's, it's just, you know, it's just, you become a prisoner of your own greatness. You yeah. know, it's a victim. It's a, it's a vicious cycle. So. Well, you're handling it with it. <laughs> a lot of modesty, first and foremost, I give you that. As far as modesty, I'm the greatest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It, you're an inspiration to all of us I, I tell you don't forget now we're going to make a wig we're going to give it to, to Nico and then then I'll be the greatest yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man speaking of the greatest I made pasta the other day <laughs> it wasn't the greatest the spaghetti's fine right so I don't make my own gravy anymore. I don't do that, right? I, I normally buy Paul Newman spaghetti sauce and I doctor it up a little bit. But the other day I said, ah, I just, I'm, you know, I'm not with it anymore, right? I'm just like going through the motions. I'm just eating to eat. And uh, I grabbed, I had some, some, I don't know if it was during the COVID, um, if somebody, one of the, for a brief period of time, my mom had a care caretaker, and she may have brought over some no-name jar. So I grabbed that by mistake, and I just used that. Uh, and oh man, was it? It was like putting water, like flavored water, on your on your noodles. Not not very good. So, Tony, did you discover the Paul Newmans during your uh, pasta sauce test that they made oh. you take? Remember is that, that? Is that no. when you discovered it, or did you know about it before then? Oh, oh no, I knew about it from years ago, but I did bring that up when I did that pasta, <laughs> that taste test thing. Yeah, 
so the other day, two days ago, I went grocery shopping and I tried, I bought, and I haven't used it yet, but I bought a Paul Newman uh, garlic Alfredo sauce. Okay. So, so I, so I bought some fettuccine and I, and I, and I bought the Paul Newman garlic Alfredo, I think it is. Cause I like garlic. I always put more, you know, garlic uh, powder in it anyhow, but, uh, yeah, so I'm going to try that maybe um, this weekend. Yeah, no, I, I like Paul Newman's spaghetti sauce. You should, get it, you should get him as a sponsor on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Paul Newman's spaghetti sauce. Yeah, he's dead, but yeah, we can. The company lives on. We'll, we just. <laughs> well, my grandmother apparently was his caregiver, uh, or nanny, not caregiver, a, a nanny. Because Paul Newman's from Cleveland. He's from Shaker Heights, Ohio. And uh, I guess when before his father owned Newman Stern Sporting Goods, they're very wealthy. And he had a brother named uh, Al, uh, Alfred or Al- Alan or something like that, Albert uh, Newman. And apparently, when my grandmother was a teenager or maybe twenty years old, something like that, before she got married. Uh, was their caretaker, I guess, for a while. Nanny, nanny, I guess. I don't know. That's what she said. I don't know if it's true or not. That's what she said. Why would she lie? You know, uh, that's long before he became an actor. You know, he was probably just 12, 13 years old, you know. Yeah, Paul Newman, pride pride of Cleveland, man. Bob Hope is probably the most famous Clevelander, um, even though he was born in England, but he was raised in Cleveland. And uh, actually was in my backyard, kind of, sort of, almost. Long story. We'll talk about it. If we ever do our Cleveland trip, um, we can, even though my house is no longer there, we can film this and show you where Paul, uh, uh, where Bob Hope boxed and where my backyard was. And they kind of right-angled each other, almost. Um, Cleveland was an interesting time. Don't get me started, because I love Cleveland. Uh, to me, Cleveland is the most uh, dissed city in America. Uh, it was horrible in the 1970s. Thank you, Johnny Carson, uh, who who made Cleveland the brunt of many jokes, and he shouldn't have. Uh, he was a mean-spirited man by all accounts. Uh, even though I loved his show, that was why we get my buddy Rich Fix. Um, but, yeah, Cleveland had a lot of uh, – a lot of things going for it, you know. I, I miss that city. If it wasn't for the winters, I'd be, I'd, I'd move back. Yeah, it's interesting. As time has gone on, I wonder if Paul Newman is maybe the bigger star. You know, I think maybe they, he's more remembered. I don't know, but it seems like you know he was part of some very significant movies and stuff. Yeah, I mean, but don't forget, Bob Hope did all the USO shows and everything. And uh, I think Bob Hope, I think Paul Newman was more talented. But Bob Hope was an American institution. It's hard to say. But, I mean, as time goes by, a lot of those specials and those things, I mean, sure, I mean, obviously he's a huge star, but, like, a lot of that stuff is lost to time, you know, depending, like, being a, like, Paul Newman being in, in important big films, I think will his longevity will be a lot longer, necessarily, you know? Um, like, that's just my speculation, but... As time goes on, I think he will, he will continue to grow and be remembered. That's just my guess. 
Yeah, who know? I mean, he did legendary movies, you know, uh, just hit after hit. You know, The Hustler is my favorite, obviously, because it's a pool thing. But then, you know, uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with Liz Taylor and HUD and, uh, you know, The Sting, Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid and Harper, just on and on and on. You know, oh, Absence Cruise. of Malice, Color of Money. I didn't like the Color of Money. I don't like Tom Cruise. But, um, yeah, no, he, yeah, he just, he just, you know, never, yeah, the guy had a hit after a lot of hits. Speaking of spaghetti sauce, a couple, a couple of Italian food anecdotes. A, one, I regret that I never learned to cook my mother's spaghetti sauce when she was, you know, when she was cooking regularly. Because as she got older, much older, you know, she kind of lost it. Because she, a lot of it, I think she would just do, she had like a little notepad of stuff that she would do. But she, I think she also did it a lot, somewhat by instinct. So when she stopped cooking, you know, after several years, and I eventually it's like, hey, let's try and do this. Let's keep cooking. She couldn't do it the same. You know, she kind of had lost it. And I've heard that with uh, a lot of people when they talk, you know, when their their parents or grandparents get older. Just that's another warning out there. Some more life tips from Joe for the, the people in the podcast listening is, man, if you've got some family member who can cook something, learn how they do it. Get it, write it down and practice it yourself. You know, don't take that stuff for granted. A lot of that stuff, you know, when it's gone, you can't get it back. So yeah, she used to, I'd say every week we were having, you know, one or two pasta dishes and she wasn't Italian. My dad was, but she learned to cook it for him. And she had this, this great red sauce, but she can't even do it anymore. You know? Um, so that's a bummer. The other thing I heard, and it'd be interesting. You, so you had more like you were kind of connected with your, well, your whole family was Italian, right? Tony, you're a hundred percent. So my niece, just came back from Italy. She went over there. She was in Milan. She studied uh, for a couple of years, got her master's degree over there. I mean, she's an amazing kid. Um, but she said they didn't know what mustacholi was. They did not know. They didn't. She had a, like, and it's actually, there's a dessert over there called mustacholi, apparently. And they were confused when she said, because they, they asked her about Italian food in the U.S. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, my mom makes mustacholi all the time. And they're like, well, like the dessert? I mean, did you, when you were growing up, was mustacholi like a staple? Not, a, no, in my house? No. I mean, mustacholi, mustacholi existed, but no, not, no, we never, I never had it. Uh, rigatoni now and then, but my grandmother made pasta with, uh, we had it twice a week with a chicken on the side. Not chicken cacciatore, but just a chicken leg. You know, we didn't eat well. Um, yeah, you'd be surprised. The Italian food over there is completely different than it is here. It, it, pizza, for example, is unrecognizable, okay? I mean, maybe now in Italy they're doing the Americanized uh, style. But, um, yeah, it's it's totally different. Like this Italian beef. I never heard of Italian beef until I moved to Chicago. I don't even like Italian beef. That's not an Italian thing. That Jardinere. That's not Italian. That's a Chicago creation. Okay, they made they invented that here in Chicago. So you know you have uh, yeah you you know you think it's all oh, this all Italian shit. It's not Italian. Although I've been told, so the Philly we harking back to an earlier episode with the Philly cheesesteak. Don't bash Philly. I I'm not bashing them. I okay. love Philly. I had a great time there, but that the Philly cheesesteak has some like italian roots 
And so to me, the Italian beef and the, the uh, Philly cheesesteak must have a common ancestor. However, the like, you know, whatever it is, they just, they seem to have the same ancestry because they're very close and similar, you know, especially if you, you know, when you, like when I had one of the Philly cheesesteaks, I think I just had it with like provolone one time because we were getting it routinely. They were like, well, if we're going to get it here, we're going to try it multiple times. Uh, and then it was like, oh, that's this. Once I had that without the onions, it was like, oh, yeah, this is now we're getting close to the Italian beef. So there is something there, I think, to it, at least, you know, and obviously, you know, Italian cuisine is not just one homogenous thing, you know, it's. Um, so I almost wonder, like, whatever that sandwich was or whatever that preparation of meat was, it's like that's the Chicago interpretation of it. Yeah, probably. I, You know, and don't forget now, Italian Italy, they have the different regional wines tastes foods whatever um my grandfather the chicchini side of things <coughs> came from roughly outside of rome okay roughly about 90 kilometers outside of, of rome and and my grandmother my mom's side came northern italy uh so I was more, I was raised more with the I was raised by my mom's parents so I dealt with the northern Italian uh cuisine and and things but my grandmother she was homogenized she cooked uh Polish food because there was a lot of Polish and my grandmother was actually raised in a Polish neighborhood in Cleveland my grandfather was actually raised in a Slovenian neighborhood in Cleveland which makes sense because they were he was from Trieste which was is right on the border certain times Trieste was part of Slovenia and certain times it wasn't. So my grandfather spoke American, Italian, and Slovenian. Okay. Uh, so we had, I had a lot of that uh, influence. So, uh, but I, we did not, I did not eat well, you know, as a kid, as you know, I had malnutrition. I was skinny and, uh, but twice a week we had spaghetti you know, we had that, uh, and once in a blue moon, my grandmother would make a feast. She could cook when she, you know, we had to watch because my grandfather had diabetes. So we had to watch what she, she had to watch what she made. But um, I've it's, tried a lot of Italian food through the years. Because uh, I've been single most of my life. A lot of women would want to cook me back in the day when I was, Younger, they would, oh, let me make you some Italian food. I'd rather than that. Just make me, you know, whatever you make. Don't. Because they're proud of their, 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 it never really tasted good. I, I, I have my, I have my, I'm particular about my Italian food. What's different about the, the Northern Italian cuisine? Uh, like, well, what makes it different than like Southern yeah, and, and not just southern, too, just coastals, too. Like, for example, if you live near the sea, you know, you'd eat more seafood. You know, we had no seafood. Uh, I can tell you guys this, and this may shock both of you. I never had a piece of fish of any kind until I was in the ninth grade. And I went to Benedictine High School, and they had a fish fry, and I went to Benedictine in my ninth grade year, and I had Canadian walleye. That was 
only time they had fish. Now, I only went to Benedictine for one year. I never had fish again until I was uh, 18 or 19. And one of the clubs that I belonged to had shrimp on a Friday. I didn't know. I never had shrimp. I never even saw a shrimp. I ate the, I ate the tail and everything. I didn't know any better. <laughs> Sorry, God. So some of the southern and, and let's say, uh, would be eastern, even probably in the west as well, in Italy, they had a lot of fish. Pesh. Pesci. Pescatore. I didn't have that. My grandmother cooked more just plain sauces, not nothing really, very peasant, peasant-ish. Although Northern Italy is where all the, supposedly all the money, all the brains are, right? Um, and I now here's the thing, though. My grandmother, I don't know where she was, I don't remember where she was from in Italy. I don't recall now. My grandfather, as I said, I know where he was from. He was Trieste. My grandmother, I'm not certain. Uh, I, I did know at one point in time, it, my memory fails me. Um, but yeah, you go to different regions, you know, you get the different, the different flavors or the different types of music or the different wines. What's interesting, like all the Italian songs that most of us know, O Solo Mio and, you know, the Tarantellas and all of this, a lot of those songs came, well, the Tarantella song that came from Sicily, but most of that music came from Naples, okay? Nabladan. And uh, they produced a lot of music in the in the Naples region. That'd be interesting to find out why. Because uh, you would think, I would think most of it would have came out of Rome. No, Naples for the music. But yeah, um, I'm not a big Italian food. I'm not a cook, really. I'm not big on cooking, Nico, so I cannot really pinpoint all the differences right between northern southern this that talk to stanley tucci he would know he's doing that show on going through italy i guess you know with all the different give me southern food i've had southern italian food here in chicago italian food southern i love it yeah now joe for years, you know, I always thought you were Jewish, right? Because, well, you look at it, number two, Shalom. somebody must have told me that. Have any of you guys, because in Chicago, I don't know of a Jewish restaurant. There's Manny's, which is a deli. Are there Jewish restaurants in Chicago where you can actually have a meal? That's an interesting question. Uh, yeah, it's the only ones I know of are delis. Yeah. There was this place on, uh, in I think, Skokie? No, Evanston. And the guy, it's a, it's called Romanian Kosher Deli. But the guy makes the hard salami, like, fresh. Dries it himself. I mean, it's fantastic. It's made with kosher beef. Best hard salami ever. Well, on that note, I will throw out this. This is Slovenia. Cleveland is the capital of Slovenia. Uh, no, not the capital of Slovenia. More Slovenians and Croatians live in Cleveland than anywhere in the country. 
like Chicago has more Polish than anywhere in the country. So the Slovenians make this cold cut, and normally it's popular around Easter time. It's called Jalotitz. And my friend's mother used to make that in Cleveland, Mrs. Gorsick. And it is phenomenal. Now, I heard there used to be a Slovenian deli on the south side of Chicago. I've never found one. But when we go to Cleveland, Joe and Nico, we have to – there's a I, – I don't – right again, my memory fails me. There's a deli. I'll find it. It's easy to find. Uh, I know where it's at. And we'll see if we can get some gelotes. You'll love that, Nico. If you're into that type of salami kind of stuff, you'll, you'll – uh, You'll love this. This Jalotis is phenomenal. I'd like to find it, but I can't spell it. You know, because Slovenia, Slovenia language is, uh, it's, I don't know how to spell it. I don't know Slovenian. You know, I only know a few words in Slovenian or Croatian, but I, I you know, don't know how to spell it. I'd, I'd look it up and see if there's a deli around here that sells it, you know, in Chicago. Yeah, sure I don't know about uh, like specifically like Jewish restaurants, but I know there's a lot of like Mediterranean and Middle Eastern restaurants around the city too, like Persian and things like that, uh, that, you know, m must be related, you know, obviously like, cause, and you know, I've been to Israel, right? I was there as like, and in, in, as a kid once, so we had a family trip there. It's a long story. You're back. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, stuff like falafel. That's like street Mediterranean street food, you know, you can get that. I love it. Yeah, very tasty stuff. That saved my life when I was over there because a lot of the food was like, that was at least kind of like almost like fast food where I was like, okay, I can eat this. You're deep frying some stuff. I can eat it, you know, and it was in a pita, you know, it was, it was definitely tasty. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I had curry today. Yeah, you've got a, a good Indian place up by you, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I had it today. I went there just to get um curry tater tots that's an american dish boy <laughs> no that's why he puts it well i mean i have recognized it just it reminds me of that melting pot thing where it's like yeah. you know yeah no i uh i i enjoy that i mean because you can't get good food out here where i live at all period forget it um but he's exotic you know with because he's from india so he's exotic with that and i have fire I tried fire two, like double fire, as he calls it. I made it through it, but it was it was hard. It was very unenjoyable for me. I can't handle that super hot stuff. I can't do it. Nico could handle it. I I cannot. Yeah. Nico could handle it easy, but I can't. Yeah, I eat a lot of hot. Yeah, you'd like this place. If you can come over here during the week, because I don't think he's there on the weekends, but he's there during the week, you know, um, We'll go there. You know, you'll, I'll have them fire up the curry, you know, chickpea curry or whatever, you know, uh, tandoori, yeah, whatever. I love the Indian food. Yeah, you'd love it. Oh, it's good. Indian food's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, Joe, you have to you have to try it. Uh, I used to not be able to eat that. But as I said, as I got older now, I could, you know, I went, um, like, my buddy took me, Scott took me to get some wings the other, like a couple weeks ago, because I can leave during the day now a little bit, um, just for, you know, when my mom's in daycare. 
uh, and we went and to another place in Fox Lake, and I had their wings, Pug Mahomes, and I was able to eat their their hottest wings, their number eights, and the cook was sitting with us, I guess, and uh, he's like, "Don't get too cocky, man." He says, "I can, if I wanted to, I can make those rubs. I can go up to like 30." Yeah, that's what he said. I can go up to like 30. We have eights on the menu. You ate the eight. I'm like, dude, uh, I'm not a hot eater, man. I'm not. I'm just saying. I, I ate the number eights. That's it. No, I don't want to go anymore. You know. No, he, he said he could make it so it's not even enjoyable. But there's people out there that, that that's what it's like a badge of honor. They don't even taste the chicken anymore, right? Or whatever. That They just want to be able to. They say they ate that, you know, that super hot stuff. There are, yeah, there's pepper eating contests. There's people who like, you know, I knew a kid. There, he's not a kid. He was probably in his 20s. He was at my work. But, yeah, he talked about it where they have contests where that, like they line up the peppers, you know, like, you know, you might have like there's a point system on, depending on the pep, mix of peppers you eat. And I guess it's like they have a two minute clock. They start the timer. And depending how many points you can consume, you know, that's that's how they rank everybody at the end. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're carrying guys out of there, you know, like, you know, cause they just, but I think he, I can't remember if, how many, did he get five habaneros down in two minutes? I can't remember what his, he came in second, this kid. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Um, but he like makes his own peppers, you know, and stuff like, and I can't, you know, this is a long time ago now, but I remember he's saying stuff, you have to be very careful of some of those things when you handle them. Like after you handle them, you have to wash your, cause if you touch your eyes or something like that, after you mess with those peppers, you know, forget it. Um, but no, yeah, you're right. It's 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 become its own kind of weird sport and like kind of rite of passage for people to um, uh, do that. It'd be interesting to see how Casey does with if with like what number Casey could go up to with those wings, because he um he, in Thailand obviously they're very spicy and hot food, and he's he's you know tries to hang with the the locals there. He came back here because you know he had jet lag when he flew back here for his buddy's wedding. Um, he wanted to stay up for the 24 hours to kind of reset his, try and force reset his body clock. And so we took him to a Mexican restaurant. He's like, give me something hot to keep me awake, you know, something spicy. And they, and they came and like, we'll give you the hottest thing we've gotten. It was some kind of a red soup. And he took it and he didn't flinch. And the, the waitress was shocked. She's like, I can't even eat that, you know? And I mean, I mean, there's not a whiter kid in, in, you know, on the, the face of the earth than Casey, but man, he's built up a tolerance, you know, uh, like it's, yeah, it's impressive. Well, he wouldn't, these wings would not phase him. He'd have, he'd have to talk to the cook. That cook would have to spice it up for him. He, he has, what did he call it? He, he, the, the cook called it some like a uh, sprinkle dust or he had a name for this dusting that he puts on it. Um, but the Indian curry, Vic, Vic, uh, at my place could make it, uh, probably challenge your son. He, he could probably make it. So, uh, Casey would have a little, little bit of an issue. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It'd be fun to see. And either way, it's a win for me, whether he can eat it or not. I get to watch him suffer then. And, <laughs> <laughs> but it's impressive. Cause yeah, I'm not very good with spice. I try to push the envelope sometimes, but you're right. It's just like, it just tastes like burning. It's not enjoyable. It, it, it changes from eating to like a, another experience. Although I guess a lot of people get endorphins off of it after the pain subsides. On another yeah. note, <clears throat> I got to, uh, 
Got to make an announcement, but I have to clarify this announcement, okay? In no way what I'm about to say reflects on Sylvia Lewis or Julie Newmar or Raquel Welsh, okay, or any of those legendary beauties. But um, I have to say that uh, there's a new kid on the block. I've been watching her recently, and uh, her name escapes me, but you know who I'm talking about. She's my age. She's from Britain. You're talking about the queen? No, no, no. <laughs> Don't poke fun. <laughs> What's that actress from Britain that does all these? Now she's posing in bikinis like every month. Real famous. Your age, British. Yeah, absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. Oh, man. She was going out with that Hugh guy. Oh, Elizabeth. Is it Elizabeth Hurley? Hurley. Yeah. Elizabeth Hurley. That's it. Yeah. Elizabeth Hurley. Wow. Yeah, I remember oh, yeah. from a, like probably twenty years ago, she was the, one of the hotties. She's no, she's she's didn't mean anything to me then. She's looking pretty good now. I mean, like really good. No Julie Newmar, no Sylvia Lewis, but she's uh, yeah. I just saw Paul Dodds would you know would send me email me about her and and, and so he kind of got me turned on to that and I've been I kind of been seeing her lately. I, She's she's she'd like you, Joe. I'm sure. I was gonna she say would. I'll put in a good word for you then, Tony. If I knew you're interested, I'll just send her something. Say something, maybe get her to say hello or something for you. Yeah, I can be your bodyguard. I could easily do that. That would be my pleasure. There was actually, oh, what's that comedian's name? I'm, uh, see, now I'm like you. I'm, <laughs> I, can't, I can't give names. This has got to be riveting. Uh, uh, podcasts where i'm struggling for names for these people um i know he's on that firefighter show rescue me do you know what that uh, see you don't watch tv nico so no. you don't know what i'm talking nico about no <laughs> um nope. uh, anyways there's this elizabeth hurley episode of one of his tv shows when he was a cop that was hilarious um where he has to bodyguard her basically um yeah that was a good show Stay tuned. By the next podcast, I'll have remembered who I'm talking about. Yeah. And but yeah, that was a good episode with her. But I haven't seen her in anything in a long time. So Well, Christy Brinkley's looking good. She's in her mid sixties. You know, I told you I dated that girl Chris, who looked exactly like Christy Brinkley. Chris used to have a shirt that I loved it. She had this t shirt that said no with an exclamation point. Christy Brinkley looks like me, which I thought was classic. She's a South Sider, Nico. She she lived on the South Side. Um, absolutely uh, stunningly beautiful, and she won a lookalike contest. She looked, she was a dead ringer for Christy Brinkley. But you know, Billy Joel, Billy Joel was was married to you know he he uptown girl. He wrote that song for her, I believe. You know, um, fellow South Sider. Oh, my Chris, yeah, yeah. She was uh, well, not my Chris, but the girl I dated, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. She, I actually saw her, not saw her physically, but emailed her or something like that, like a couple of years ago. Uh, she got married and divorced, and you know, yeah, same like me, you know. Um, but no, I would never. I mean, I live way too. I live too far from her when I was living on the north side of Chicago. Now, I mean, I'm 
I'm living on the north side of planet Earth over here. You know, shit. Um, like, yeah, yeah. She, but she's she's very very attractive lady, very nice lady. Um, but yeah, no, I. There's just something about um, a, you know, beautiful women. You know that uh, it's I, it's appealed to me since I was a kid. I I just I don't know. I got my I got my preferences. You know, like I'm thinner and you know and this and that. I'm just that's how I am. Well, I still I still can think my nomination for number one still holds up pretty well. That Gal Gadot. So. Is that Wonder Woman? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the one you put on your desktop a few weeks ago or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's pretty. Yeah, I can't put yeah. her at number one. Uh, I can't. I, honestly, I can't. She's very attractive, but she's not even in my top 40, honestly. Top 40? Wow. No, I, no, she isn't. Honest to God, no. I can rattle off names right now that would, to me, for my tastes, Jacqueline Smith, Cheryl Ladd, you know, Christy Brinkley, as we just said, and the other... I could go on and on. Bridget Bardot, uh, Bridget Bardot, Sophia Loren, Gina Lola Brigida. I can go on and on. I have. Uh, you count uh, the Olsen twins as one or two? I can't okay. count that high, Joe. I can only go one. I'm Italian. Don't forget. Um, <laughs> I tell you, you know who actually? Uh, the they weren't twins, but when I was a kid, the Landers sisters. Remember Audrey and Judy Landers. The name sounds familiar, but I can't place it. Now. Yeah, I met them at the Cleveland at the car show. They, uh, the Dukes of Hazard, the Boss Hog was there, and Adam Twelve, you know, Mark Milner and Kent McCord. And anyhow, yeah, the Judy Landers, who I always thought was prettier than Audrey Landers, uh, yeah, they were, yeah, they were like pinup uh, girls when I was a kid. Uh, I was really young, like 11, 12 years old, whatever, ten. I don't remember how old I was. Yeah, no, there were no. I don't know if there was any. Oh, remember Barbie Benton? Mm -mm. Or you guys, you don't remember her? Okay. I would say Gil. What's her name? Gil what? Gal, like G A L Godot. Yeah. Godot. Godot is her last name. Yeah. Gal Godot. I would say she's probably more attractive to me than Barbie Benton, but um. No, I, I just, you know, I, I find there was a woman named Tina Hudson. Neither one of you have ever heard of her, but she was voted face of the 80s. And she was briefly, briefly in the beginning of the movie Octopussy, James Bond. And this is whenever that came out, like 1983, 82, 83, 84, something like that. But she was, she was startling. Uh, I got to see Valerie Perrine in 1985. Uh, breathtakingly beautiful. Uh, I met a woman personally now who was in the Miss Universe contest at one point. She was my age, but she was in a Miss Universe back years before in River Grove, Illinois, of all places. Absolutely beautiful. One of these days I'll have to tell you about that incident. It was unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've been lucky, man. I've seen some pretty girls. And I'm forgetting, I mean, the, some of the Polish girls that I know in Chicago are better looking to me than that Gil Godot or Gal, whatever her name is. What's her name? First name? Gal. Like, Gal. Like, Gal. Yeah, no, she's very, very attractive, though, Joe. I mean, swear to God, she is. She really is. 
But I, I, I honestly, I, I've been lucky. I've seen a lot of, I've gotten to know some very, very wonderful, uh, wonderful looking and wonderful women, you know, just nice. Mm-hmm. Let me, I'm trying to do more candidates for this, this century. Like what about Kate Beckinsdale? You guys. I don't know who that is. You don't know yeah. who Kate Beckinsdale is. Can't help you out with that. Yeah, we're we don't live, we don't live in the reality world here. We're <laughs> we Nico and I are somewhere in the back. I'm in my I'm in my own world. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm with him. You know. Well, Nico, uh, have you, have your son show you what Google is, and then have him type in Kate Beckinsdale for you. And then get, right. is that the one that was in Titanic? That's Kate Winslet. Oh. Yeah, I never she's, she's pretty, but like, no. Do you ever seen this? Might trigger. She was in those underworld movies. She was like, it was like a werewolf vampire movie. It's never, high, it was high art, is what I'm talking I about. I've never heard of those movies. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. But anyways, I know. No, Brian, I don't, I don't Brian know. is probably listening, and he knows what I, he'll agree with me. Who? Brian, Brian's listening right now. He'll agree with me. He's, yeah, he's probably shaking his head at me. I don't know these things. Okay. I I'll mean, take your word for it, Joe. The other, the other one was pretty hot. Yeah, no, yeah, right. I mean, Gil, Gil, Gil Gal, Gal Godo, get out, whatever her name is. She was very. I, I don't. She was attractive. I have to admit that. Man. She was. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I remember. Uh, I used to play music with a guy in Cleveland, Austin, awesome Mike Austin. We went to, uh, was it Wycliffe High School or something like that, with Jane Kennedy, who was like Miss USA. And she was famous for a while. She made a lot of, you know, she she made movies and everything. She was either Miss America or Miss USA. I think she was Miss USA. She was very pretty. Uh, Halle Berry, another one from Cleveland, absolutely beautiful. St- now, now you're starting to get into modern times. I mean, not that modern, probably 80s or 90s, but. Still, She's my age, Halle Berry. She's my age. She's like a year younger or something like that. Don't diss the Cleveland chicks, baby. You know, uh, yeah, she was. She's very, very pretty, man. Oof. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you, I loved when I was a kid growing up. Uh, they used Marilyn McCoo. Uh, she hosted Solid Gold, and Marilyn McCoo was in the Fifth Dimension, and. Um, I think she was married to Billy Davis. Maybe not, uh, but thought so. I thought she was, I thought she was the bee's knees, man. She was really pretty to me. Man. Unbelievable. For uh, yeah. Guys of a certain age that show solid gold, I think was played a formative role in our upbringing, man. Cause I remember they, they'd have the dancers come out. Yeah. Remember that? yeah. Solid solid gold dancers. Dancers. I don't remember like why I watched the show. I was I wasn't old enough to comprehend it, but I knew I couldn't look away. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I knew it was something compelling that I had to watch this musical show that I had no interest in. Well, that was me. Like when the when Charlie's Angels would come on, you know, I'd I'd want to be outside all day and all night. I'd want to sleep outside. I'd never wanted to come in the house or something. And then go, oh, Charlie's Angels is on. All right, I gotta go in. You know, I didn't want to miss Charlie's Angels. And yes, I loved Farrah. And yes, I just something about Cheryl Ladd. And then I got to meet Jacqueline Smith when I got older in person. And she was mesmerizing, to say the least. Um, 
Yeah, Jack, so I, and Kate Jackson was was very pretty too, you know. And then Shelly Hack really and then Tanya Roberts who passed away. Uh, Tanya Roberts, oh my God, I had it for her for a while too. Oh my own, she was oh amazing. Uh, but you know, I've met and dated and even married a very beautiful woman. I've met, I've dated a lot of pretty girls, beauty contest winners and shit. I've been very lucky for a slug. Like me, you're just an average Joe. I've been, I don't know, I've been pretty lucky, but I think living in Chicago, you know, you've seen some of those Polish women that I know, Joe. Uh, boy, it's just hard to, man, they're just, they're beautiful. I mean, beautiful. And nice. No, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it goes, you know, I think there's an old saying, but, you know, just, yeah, I can't remember, but you don't have to, you know, there's a lot of beautiful women who have not entered a contest in their life, you know? No, yeah. right. Yeah, uh, who, right. But it boils down to your niceness. You know, how nice of you, how, how nice of a person are you? That's the thing. And, you know, you can fake it. I mean, you can't fake looking pretty. You know, you're either pretty or you're not. You can fake being nice, but ultimately your ugliness will show through. Uh, so I've always liked pretty women who are nice. And they're out there. I like the abusive ones. Well, Joe, I don't want you to be in a, abused anymore. You know, you can reach out for help. <laughs> you know that, right? I mean, you can call Nico, me. There's help out there for for people like you. That's if you don't want the abuse. Okay, Joe, we understand. Okay, so there's clinical psychologists out there that that you can talk to um, that can can deal with this issue that you're going through. Obviously, you have some sort of issue, and I'm not licensed to diagnose. Well, I mean, that's I, what I pick from my friends on podcasts. Of course, there's issues. Who's your friends? <laughs> You're not talking about Nico and me. Don't set your abuse on us. Okay? You're a co-host. That's it. Stop this friendship, okay? Because that's... You're, you're overstepping your boundaries, right, Nico? Yeah, I think it's starting to get toxic, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joe, what are your thoughts on Svenguli? Well, I'm familiar with the son of Svenguli, so not the original Svenguli, if, if I'm referring to the same person. So I grew up with the son of Svenguli, and actually my Casey was was good friends and actually stood up in the wedding of uh, one of Svenguli's, uh, I guess, nephews or cousins. So uh, there's, I have a connection. I'm so like three or four degrees separated from the son of Svenguli, but I grew up on those movies. I'm, you know, that's part of, part of, along with the solid gold dancers, uh, watching Svenguli horror movies was a big part of my, and explains a lot probably, honestly, about my outlook on life. But yeah, no, I'm a fan. Well, next time you see him, you tell him that I said, you know, he ripped off Cleveland. Actually, he had to go to court over this, apparently. Cleveland started all of that. Uh, there was a guy in Cleveland, Ernie Anderson, named Goulardi, okay? And then Goulardi 
<clears throat> moved to Hollywood to do a lot of stuff. Uh, as a matter of fact, back in the 70s when they would do the intros for The Love Boat, he was the announcer for that and everything. And Cleveland ended up, after Goulardi left, Cleveland had a guy named the Ghoul, okay? And that's where Svengoolie copped it from the Ghoul, who copped it from Goulardi, and they had, uh, I guess, go to court to get the rights to go even by Svengoolie or something like that. So once again, Joe, yes, you have a connection to Svengoolie, but Svengoolie is connected to Cleveland. It all, it all goes back to Cleveland, man. Well, you can't claim Bozo, though, can you? No, no, we cannot, no. I know you're an aspiring Bozo, but the original <laughs> Bozo. What, you think I'm clowning around here? Come on, no. No, we can't, we can't, do, we can't do Bozo. But Cleveland had Superhost, and Cleveland had Barnaby, and Cleveland had, I think, the first or second romper room. Yeah, we had all that. <laughs> Cleveland awesome. had the first talk show. You know, uh, you know, like how, how you have like uh, the the view and all of that, whatever. Well, Cleveland started all of that stuff with the morning exchange and things like Cleveland was an innovator, believe it or not. Cleveland, Cleveland's a great city, man. A lot of history about Cleveland. It's my favorite city in America. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a very happening town. And it was much more happening before I was even born. 40s and 50s and everything. Organized crime, everything. We had it all. Um, you should really do like a YouTube channel just talking about Cleveland. Just little things, little snippets of things that you like about it. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah, I want to do – I got to get back to my YouTube channel. I just have not physically been – well, uh, I don't know. Oh, since we've been on, I got my first uh, vaccination shot. Uh, two weeks ago tomorrow, and next Friday I get my second Pfizer shot, so I'll be fully vaccinated. And then two weeks after that, you're at 100%, I guess, whatever. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, I I the stress honestly with my mother is, um, you know, I don't sleep at night. And now, you know, I I used to say I used to joke around that. I'd get like five hours of sleep. Now it's about three hours. That's all I'm getting. That's why like earlier today when I reached out to you, I said, Joe, I, I got to try to take a nap. You know, please wake me up so I can do the podcast. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I want to say to people out there, uh, I want to kind of sidetrack because this is actually public service announcement. This is important. When you don't sleep, your world comes to an end. Uh, it's no good. So my mom had a friend, and I knew him as well. His name was Yash. Uh, that's Polish, but he was an American guy. But this is back in Cleveland. And Yash couldn't sleep. He just he went through sleep studies at the Cleveland Clinic and other places, and he just went on and on where the man couldn't sleep. And he finally ended up committing suicide. It was just too much. Never being able to shut your brain down, never being able to get that rest. And that happens. That's what I'm going through. I can't sleep. I'm getting now, like I said, about three hours of sleep. And I can't function anymore. It's, it's, it's very difficult. 
and I don't wish this on anybody. I'd rather somebody go through an illness because that can be treated, but this not sleeping thing. Oh, is it just your mind running? Well, I, yeah, it's, I have racing thoughts. Sure. And I've always had that. I'd wake up full blast, but I, my mother, it's because of her, you know, I have to sleep the expression with one eye open. She paces like when I'm here in the basement, pacing, 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 thinking I'm not here. Like I said, she no longer knows. She thinks I'm a roommate. Okay. She doesn't realize what's happening. So I have to be very mindful of her. So I constantly wake up full blast. And then I go to, to check on her. So I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping in spurts of like maybe an hour. Then I get up. I go check on her. I come back. And now I'm up for another hour, hour and a half. I doze off again. And it's the, the cycle repeats. So normally I'm, I'm dozing off maybe three times, sometimes four times. Sometimes I'll get four hours. But it's like every, you know, I because I, I got a clock in my room. So I, I see, I know exactly what time I'm getting up. And uh, like this morning, I was up for good. My final up was at 3 a.m. And, you know, I, I laid down at 1030 and I was up every hour. And finally, I got up at three and that was it. I never went back to sleep. Not yeah, good. Long term, that's not going to be good. That's going to have a cumulative effect on you. Have well, you... I'm going to probably keel over of a heart attack. You know, I mean, it's just the way it is. You know, you can't, you um, can't live like this. I recently heard, and I know you've tried CBD. I think we've tried that. I never did that, but I gave, I, I still take, you know, those pills that you're, those, that the candy I, stuff that your your wife gave me. Those are not CBD. I thought those were, I can't remember. No. Oh, no, the melatonin, I think. Melatonin, yeah. I never took That CBD. doesn't have an effect on you, huh? Um, it doesn't help, no. But uh, there's even, you may want to consider it because now that it's legal, I've heard people, they have like those uh, pot gummies. They're not really strong. It's just like a micro dose of it. So you're not getting high, but it's enough to chill you out, to stop the racing thoughts. To get A lot of people use that as a sleeping aid now. Um, Send me an uh, email link on that so I, yeah. so I can look into it. Yeah, but I, I can I definitely consider it because I think it, it helps. Like a lot of people back in the day, you know, besides your potheads, people were using that to self. Oh, I got to mute. Hold on. Well, maybe not. Anyways. You need a prescription for that or? No, no. I think you now, nowadays I don't think so because you can even get it <laughs> recreational in Illinois. Uh, but, I, you know, and obviously you don't want, you know, you definitely want to make sure you're getting a lower dose because you're not looking to get, a, you know, any kind of a buzz from it. You just want it to because a lot of people would use that. Like I knew people before it was legal who would use pot just as an anti-anxiety met, you know, like if they were going to do something would calm them down. Um, so I think there is, there may be literally medicinal and I don't know a lot. Of, obviously I'm not a doctor, but it might be worth looking into if it's something you can take before you go to sleep, just to chill your mind out enough so you can get a few hours of sleep. You know, that might make the difference between, you know, a huge difference in your day. So I'll look at, I'll see if I can find some, uh, yeah, articles on it for you, but yeah, I think you can pick up stuff. Okay. Now. Thank you. Yeah. Anything because, you know, uh, it's, 
you know, and coupled with the fact that I haven't worked in over a year because, you know, with the COVID, I haven't trained anybody and it just is the stress, everything. It's, it's not, you know, let's, we, we got to make a change here. You know, when can the three of us hook up? We should just hang out in Chicago, man. Uh, one day, just, you know, uh, I'll find somebody to watch my mom. I'll drive over to your house, Joe, and you and I can go and hook up with Nico and we'll hang out in the city. Then I'll crash at your house, Joe, and I'll I'll come back the next day. I'll get somebody to watch my mom. If I can, I'll, I'll you know. Joe, where's, where's your new place at? I'm not at liberty to divulge where I live. With, you know, again, going back to the paparazzi and all the stalkers, it's better for oh, me yeah, right. to expose where, um, you know, I can't. Definitely, you know, safety tip for any of us celebrities to not let people know where we can be found. So, yeah, um, I agree. Um, but yeah, Tony, I'll definitely clean out a space in the garage for you. Um, you know, we'll get Thanks. some get some cardboard down for you so you feel at home. And uh, <laughs> appreciate that, man. Yeah, we can watch. We can put on. It really freaked me out. Put on a Woody Allen movie. I, I, you know, I won't know whether to look at the screen or look at you. Watch some Sven Gulli. That's right. No, but I'm Berwin. serious. We need to go to yeah, right, Berwin. We need to go to see Nico, man. Uh, I I haven't seen Nico in over a year. Yeah, wow. Hey, come yeah. on. Well, anytime you guys want to, I'm here on the evenings, uh, weekdays. So just let me know. Cool. Well, any any parting thoughts? Now, I know this is not, we're recording on a Thursday, but this is going to go out, get published Sunday, and I believe that's Mother's Day. Is that not correct? I don't know. If yeah. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Yeah. Um, enjoy your mothers while you can. I don't have my mother anymore. You know, she's not my mother anymore. So it's it's a difficult, it's tough. How's your mother doing, Nico? Good. I haven't haven't talked to anybody really. I'm talking to you guys is like the first communication I've had with anyone in like a month. I think I texted your mom about a month ago or something like that. Um, she's a nice lady. I mean, I never met her, but she's a nice, nice lady. But yeah, Joe, it's uh, yeah. Let's definitely hook up and try to. If you can't make it, I'll try to go see Nico. Uh, you know, I'd like, I, you know, Berwin's, I used, I almost moved to Berwin years ago. I should have. I dated a girl that lived in Stickney, which is right over there. Yeah. Um, that's going way back, though. That's going way back, you know, the early 90s or I don't even remember when. Maybe, yeah, something like that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I actually like Berwin. Yeah, no, that'll be fun. We definitely need to do that. I'll be out of my class soon, so my weeknights yeah. will be up. Well, we need to make that Cleveland trip. That would help me out. If we can make it this summer, that would, you know, that would be uh, the best thing for me um, to go to Cleveland and uh, show you guys around, you know. Um, you know. No, yeah, I look forward to that. I always like checking out, you know, new cities that I haven't been to. I've always, I've always enjoyed that. 
Well, and you and you got somebody like me that knows. I mean, I don't know current Cleveland, but I know the history of it. And I can show you spots and places. And, and worst comes to worst, we'll, we'll hook up with my boy Adrian, and uh, you know he'll, you know, take us anywhere and uh, do the thing. But uh, yeah, it would be awesome. And we'd have a nice little six-hour car ride, man. You know, we could really. Uh, it, it would just be awesome. Trust oh, me, guys. It would be fun. Oh shit! I'm gonna be in a car eight hours with you, or six hours. Let me let me see. I might be washing my hair that weekend. No, we can get. No, we get. No, no. I, Joe, you'll be either in the back seat or the trunk. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> you can sleep in the trunk. Nico and I will take care of it. Or Brian wants to come too. We all, we'll have four. For you know, well, group, it'll, it'll be great. Ro- little, we're gonna go to Mr. Heroes for me every day. I gotta have a Roman burger every each and every day. Slyman's corned beef, uh, and then we gotta get a chili dog somewhere. That's Cleveland's known for that. Yeah, we're gonna have a blast. Oh, the other day I was watching The Price Is Right. Drew Carey's from Cleveland, and there was a contestant on. And he had a T-shirt that said, Cleveland against the world, right? And I said, I want this guy to win because that's how it is because Cleveland gets shit on all the time. We're a great town. We'll go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Joe, because I know you're you're into that. And um, it'll it'll be a blast. Awesome. We definitely need to record when we're there. We'll do like an on on premise, like maybe we'll film some YouTube videos from there as we Yeah, go. we'll do a podcast from there. Yeah, we'll do the whole nine yards. Um, that'd be great. Um, you know, and uh, like I said, we'll do a tour and the east side, I don't know shit about the west side for the most part. Uh, but yeah, we'll do the, uh, we'll do it, you know, and uh, it, it'll be an amazing time. You guys will have a blast. You know, we'll live large, man. We'll own the town. I already have you know? a title for the podcast because you know how like Debbie does Dallas. It could be Tony does Cleveland. Tony's tours. <laughs> yeah, right. There was a thing. There's a thing called um, uh, Tassel. I don't know if they still do it. And I did it when I was a kid. Tassel means tours along south shores of Lake Erie. And you take your bike. Not a motorcycle, a bike, bike. I used to be a a road uh, a cyclist, and uh, you tour. You go all the way like to Toledo, which is a hundred miles. So you do your century, and then you spend the night. Da da da. You go back. Um, but Cleveland has, you know, that lakeshore. You know, uh, Lake Erie. I'm not a fisherman, but boy, you know, you go out to Port Clinton, Cedar Point, and Sandusky. Uh, you know, you, you just it's beautiful. It really is. And then, like at night, they they light the Cuyahoga River on fire. It's you know, I'm gonna tell you something. Let me tell you. Let me talk to you about something. Let me straighten you out, kid. The Chicago River actually went on fire before the Cuyahoga River did. You're gonna find out because you're gonna see the bottom of, of the of the river when we get there. But you're trust me, copied this. Chicago with the river fire. Yeah, probably because Chicago was a shithole town for you know a hundred years ago. Okay, so stop with your Cleveland insults. Because you're not only insulting me, you're That's insulting beautiful. the heart of America. Nico can witness as I said it's beautiful. Every time you light up the, the river. Yeah, I'm gonna light up your nose. You can uh, uh... 
right? <laughs> no, but you you love it. And Cleveland, that's down the flats there, the, where the Cuyahoga River is. The flats, that's their nighttime, you know, night nightclub thing, and you know all that stuff. That's you. You know, you you. I used to play Pac-Man at a joint called the Rascal House. You know, I was a world record holder at Pac-Man. That was my thing. I used to go around to different joints at Pac-Man. That's true, yeah. My Pac-Man machine always the top score was ASS. I always used to see that. Was that you? So, Nico, since Joe will no longer be on the podcast, it's just going to be you and me. But we have to be nice. We have to go to his memorial service. So I'll pick you up and we'll go together. How's that, Nico? Yeah, you got a you got a suit I can borrow. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> I'll have we'll to get it tailored a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, oh my God. See, I always wanted a girl that was like dyslexic because if I said, Hey, do you want to make love to me? And I would hand her my name on a piece of paper and she would read it and would say, why not? If she was dyslexic. Think about that a minute. Okay. I, we, can... I think we all understood it. That's not why we're not laughing. We got it, but. <laughs> What's oh, your last name backwards? Oige? Oh man, I can't. Nico is Oaken. And you're his Oge <laughs> or something? What, what would you be backwards? Yoge? I don't know. Yoge, yeah. Well, okay, so next week, let's, we might as well wrap this up. Next week, we're going to have the the, the announcement of the new uh, membership. And uh, we'll talk about in depth about my training with uh, Stanley Ravon and uh, some of the exploits that I – there's so much misinformation about him, you know, legend. And uh, I will only discuss what I witnessed, what I know to be a fact. Uh, that ought to be an interesting show. Oh, it's, yeah, it'll be an episode not to be missed for sure. I'm, look, I'm looking forward. It's almost a shame. I wish we could have postponed it and, and done the episode when we were in Cleveland. That would have been excuse me very nice but we'll do something special when we go to cleveland well yeah we can still we'll, do both i think we can yeah yeah no we'll do something special coming up when we get to cleveland cool all, all right. right guys well good to see you have a good this. one see you everybody